scripture reading for tonight is from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 24, verses 36 through 45. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One is taken and one is left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One is taken and one is left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the householder had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The word of the Lord. Part 1, in which he rants about the true meaning of Advent. What? I mean, really, what do you want from me? You don't think this is hard for me, too? I mean, really, come on. I, I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah, it's the first Sunday of Advent. Again. I know. I know, it comes up every year. It's like the same thing over and over again, you know? I mean, it doesn't even seem like it's been more recent than that. And you're not, no, you're not crazy these Bible verses, they really do sound familiar to you. Yes, we read them over and over again. I mean, of course, a lot of the Bible tends to sound alike anyway, so it could just be that. But we read them every single year. We go through it. Yet in Advent, we basically do the same thing over and over again. We basically say the same thing about it. I mean, what is there supposed to do? This is my job, right? This is what I'm supposed to do. Preachers have been preaching this these few Advent scriptures in rotation for like, I don't know, like over a thousand years. You know, I know it's true that a lot of things happen like once a year in the church year, in the calendar. A lot of things repeat the same time every year, like um, say the Feast of, of Eunice, for example. Um, well, of course, there's Christmas as well, yes, that's, but that's different. That's kind of like, that's a birthday, right? And everybody celebrates a birthday once a year. But Advent is different. It's a little bit, well, well, first of all, this Advent season, this holiday, whatever, season part of the year, it's a two-parter, Advent is. It's like two things. Advent is the beginning of the church year, right? when we look forward to the celebration, the commemoration of God being born into the world as the infant Jesus, a baby, vulnerable, dependent, helpless, and given into human hands to depend on for survival. That is really unbelievable. It's such an ungodlike thing to do. So, I mean, this is how God chooses 
to be present with us in such a vulnerable way as a baby? Now, I don't mind meditating on that for four weeks every year. I mean, I think actually maybe everybody learning a lot more about vulnerability and humility and interdependence instead of powerful, successful, bigger bandwidth, successful international monetary policy, whatever, would be a really good thing. But it's the second part of Advent's two-parter that's harder to keep going over year after year. It's the part that talks about the waiting for, the watching for, the looking for Christ's second Advent. Advent, I should, I don't know if you know, but I should just define the term. Advent, like I guess when you break it down, is a ad, which I guess means, you know, like contribute, add something to, and vent means uh, like to complain or rant. So I think it, it means like, you know, to add a complaint or uh, add a rant at the beginning of the church year, which is what I'm doing here. So um, I think there might also be a secondary meaning uh, from the Latin Adventist meaning coming, which also, I guess, led to some light on it. Um, yeah, so coming literally means coming. We prepare to celebrate Jesus' first coming, and then we wait for Jesus' second coming. I know. Did you, do you, did you remember that we were really supposed to believe that? About the second coming part? I just thought it was like one of those things that you, I don't know, like smiting or something. You just didn't really pay attention. Advent is the perpetuation of a promise that remains unfulfilled. I know it seems like a threat and not a promise in the text that Jonathan just read, but the central thrust of the liturgical season is this expectation of the fulfillment of God's promise of the coming Messiah again. It's the celebration of the fulfillment of God's Older Testament promise of Messiah and the anticipation of the fulfillment of the New Testament promise that Jesus, the Messiah, will come again to complete the fullness of the kingdom of God when all will be reconciled, where peace will break out, where no one will know war anymore, unimaginable love and peace will reign, swords will be beaten into plowshares, and the lion will lay down with the lamb. But here's the thing. Like, why didn't the lion lay down with the lamb the first time he was here? I mean, really, why, why do we have to save the completeness of the kingdom of God and unimaginable love and peace for the second time around? It doesn't make sense to me. This is what I have to proclaim every year. How long, are we, how long am I going to expect you guys to keep believing this? You know? Oh, no, he's coming. Really. He's coming back. The text, the Isaiah text that we read at the beginning of the service, on all the Isaiah texts for Advent, they promise a time when all nations will be at peace. Yes, the lion will lay down with the lamb, and swords will be bleaten into plowshares, and this will all be ushered in by a little child called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I don't have a sword. Don't really know what a plowshare is. I don't know what the contemporary equivalent would that would be. It'd be something like, they shall transform their MQ-9 Reaper drones into 500 megawatt solar arrays. I think it lacks the poetry of swords into plowshares. And you know, it's this text's poetic nature, this Isaiah text's poetic nature, 
that makes it a little easier for me to preach on Advent than that Matthew verse. Because the poetry makes it feel kind of like more universal, which to me makes it feel somehow less real or like less immediate. You know, that gospel text, Matthew's text, feels like it might take place tomorrow, like there's some urgency in it. The author is putting some urgency in it. It has that immediacy that causes me, well, frankly, to question its meaning. It seems that the gospel writer is trying to alert his reader to a perilous event that is impending, which drives me to some historical critical place, and then it's hard to even, I don't know. Well, then, I think, given that this text's original meaning was some veiled allusion to something that was going to happen or, or did happen 2,000 years ago, I don't know how I feel about appropriating that text for Advent, for now as a reference to this completion of time thing, this second coming thing. I mean, it's much less problematic to say, one day God will come and the lion will lie down with the lamb. It's easier. It's a nice idea that we can all kind of rally around and no one really expects it to happen. Not in any, like, real way, right? But Matthew's text is a little bit harder to deal with. But about that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And in that day, there will be two in a field. One will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know the day that your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have been able to prevent him and keep him from breaking into his house. Therefore, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is Advent. I mean, nothing really like raises my holiday spirits like the anticipated threat of Jesus kidnapping someone at work and then breaking in my house and stealing things. I mean, this is how we begin this Advent season, with felonies by the Savior. It just doesn't make sense to me. I guess the only thing that would be like more fun is that if it was actually the little baby Jesus kidnapping people and breaking into the house and stealing stuff. If this wasn't a little bit funny, it would be kind of creepy. But I guess there's really no need to worry about the almighty surprise felony threat. Because the church has kind of been preaching this thing for a very, very long time, and he's not been busted once. He's not come back. He hasn't been around. How long am I supposed to keep preaching these texts and expect you to believe it? How long was I supposed to say, he's coming? Peace is coming. Wars will end, really. I mean, it didn't happen last year, but there's next year. So it's better, I think, to treat the promise of coming peace as that feel-good message that we can all rally around, endorse, you know, mention in a prayer, raise a glass to. Or is it better to proclaim, along with that hope, the reality of peace's long-standing absence? Part two in which he rants about the true meaning of Black Friday. With apologies to any of you who might take offense due to any similarities in the matters described and ones 
you might have recently undertaken. Know that he does not mean to indict you personally. What is wrong with you people? I mean, I, what, what is wrong with you people? Like, okay, do you know what Black Friday originally means? Black Friday in the ancient church is what they called the death of Christ. That's what they used to call Good Friday. Black Friday was when our Savior was murdered by humanity. Black Friday? Now Black Friday refers to our new gods, our new gods that we worship. I mean, Karl Barth told me to always preach with the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. Okay, I have neither now, but I'm, you know, just metaphorically. Um, so the day after Thanksgiving, I wake up and there's in my newspaper a big headline, a big picture, picture Black Friday, with a question mark. And it's all about, and this was all over the news and PR everywhere, and we're all talking about if people were going to go out, you people were going to go out and spend money so you could save the corporations. I mean, that's what everybody... Can people really be that interested? That's what they want to know about, is whether or not Target is going to be up by 3%, and won't we all be so happy? What is wrong? Does nobody... I mean, this is not... This is not a joke. This is like really happening, you know? Really happening. People are going out, and guess what? They're buying more stuff. Who needs more stuff? Does anybody need more stuff? And people are going to give you stuff, and they want to give you stuff, and you get stuff, and you give them stuff. There's enough stuff, you know? But we have to buy the stuff, otherwise the corporations, you know, it's bad enough the corporations can, are legally like individuals. It's bad enough that they can contribute more to individual political campaigns than we can, than actual humans can. Now, what, we're hoping for their success? Are they our friends? We care about them? This is ridiculous. Black Friday? I did go to the Mall of America on Friday. Um, <laughs> But it was sort of like a, uh, you know, research sort of a thing. Just research. And the prices were so low. <laughs> yeah. Part three. In which he eventually stops talking. You know the part of this text, this Advent gospel text that really got to me? I mean, after all my ranting and hopeless indignation or irritation or maybe pseudo-indignation or maybe pseudo-hopeless indignation. The part that kind of grabbed me and held me was near the end. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know what day the Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have not let him, his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Keep awake, for you do not know. Because if the homeowner would have known when Jesus was going to break into his house, he would have been thwarted. So if you know, then Jesus won't come? That doesn't seem like a very good Advent message. 
Like, if you know when Jesus is coming, you can stop him. He's not returning. Wait a minute. No, I don't know. You know what? I, maybe knowing and being awake are very, very different things. Like somehow knowing, like knowing something, you know something, and you know you know something, and maybe that's like when you stop taking in new information. You know, when different possibilities are ruled out because you know, because you're not considering possibilities beyond what we already know. And maybe being awake is like a kind of confession, a kind of profound confession that we don't know. We don't know what possibilities, how things are going to end up. Being awake is a profound confession that you know nothing for sure. It's being open to something that you don't know is possible. It's that, and it's in that place of profound confession, maybe, that Jesus breaks in, smashes the window, kicks down the door, rushes in, and takes all your stuff, cleans you out, everything. Come, Lord Jesus, rob us blind.